You're listening to Kurakas, a podcast for artists and creatives to get advice on the business of the arts from renowned Zimbabwean experts in their respective fields. Funded through the Scripts and Bars project by K Media Africa, supported by the British Council in partnership with Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, SDC, hosted by the Kura Agency team. On this episode, we give you an introduction about what KuraCasts is. We talk to the founder of Kura Agency, which used to be called Kura Arts, Tembi Terry. And we have a discussion about all of the things that we've been struggling with in the music and the arts industry. And how shockingly a fair amount of it hasn't changed for the past decade. It's a nice segue into a segue into a segue of all of the episodes that we had. So we're going to give you a nice good glimpse of what you can expect from this season. Okay, let's get into it. This is episode one of the first season of Kurakas. Hi guys, I'm Tembi Terry. They call me bad news because bad news travels fast. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm Tim Terry, the founder at, well, one of the founders at Kura Agency. Um, I'm a blogger. I'm a digital storyteller. I'm a copywriter. I'm a conceptualizer. Um, I'm a multi-potentialite. If I can do it, best believe I'm going to try it. Okay. And let's start with Kura Agency. Tell us about that. What is Kura Agency and what inspired you to start it? Okay, um, I started Kura Agency with a bunch of my friends. We were teenagers. Uh, we saw a gap in the market, in the lawyer arts industry for basically a talent agency. Um, when we started out, we wanted to be the biggest database of Wulawi artists um then school got in the way we went to varsity we went our separate ways and the dream basically died so it started off as Kura Arts actually and we came back last year rebranded to Kura Agency and we picked up exactly where we left off that's exciting so how far back are we talking about when we say Kura Arts when you founded this? 2013. 2013. 2013. So it's been it's an existence. It's 10 years it's a next decade. year. Yeah. It is. Wow. Yeah. So, I, I'd never said that out, out loud. So like, it's like to me, wow. Right. And you can now like feel the impact. And we, we can tell that in that 10 years, there's been quite a shift in the problems you were trying to solve then and the problems that you were trying that you're trying to solve now in the arts industry how how far apart are those differences you know what's actually shocking i'm not sure where we're stagnant but the problems that we set out to solve in 2013 are still here a decade later mm. if anything they've gotten worse right? So in 2013, social media was not as big and as impactful on the entertainment industry as it is now. So there's other issues like we didn't have TikTok back then. Um, so things like that have compounded the problems that we had already. The plight of the artists have been further, um, aggravated or exacerbated i don't even know am i using the right english i hope so but like they've just been made worse the issues that they were facing back then and were those particularly like issues for the whole industry or will specific i think each area has its own territorial spirit i use that loosely because i grew up in Bulawayo. 
and then I moved to Harare because the job that I wanted to, the career that I wanted to pursue did not exist in Bulawayo, right? So there are infrastructural issues that affect Bulawayo people that people in the capital city will um, never get to experience, right? So there's problems that are unique to Bulawayo. And then there's problems that are unique to Harare. And there are problems that are unique to Zimbabwean artists from, you know, north to the bottom of Limpompo. Mm. And basically through this podcast, we were attempting to address as many of those as we possibly can, both in Blauayo, in different regions, in Harare, in Zimbabwe. So with that... We, this podcast just didn't birth out of nothing. It came from a collaboration and sponsorship with other, with other partners. Talk to us about that. Okay, so we are in a project called Scripts and Bars, which is um, a digital content creation project by K Media and Radio Represent, who are in the UK. So basically what they've done is that they got four hubs together, one in the UK and three in Zimbabwe, including Comics Posed and Page Poetry. And we've been doing scripts and bars. It's 100 creatives, 25 from each hub. And it's just basically music and literature. So, you know, scripts and bars. Mm. So scripts being the literature side and then the bars being like the music side. And it's supported by the British Council in partnership with the Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, the SDC. Um, so Kura has 25 artists from Bulawayo in the Scripts and Bars project. Page Poetry has poets from Mutare and Harare. And Comics Post has um, animators largely, but they've got like other creatives in there as well. Yeah, but that's how scripts and bars is just basically set up. So we then got the opportunity to do a project and we thought, you know what, let's do a podcast, right? That's a masterclass format for artists to be able to listen to a podcast and be able to learn a thing or two about the music industry from well-renowned experts, um, heavyweights in the art industry across Zimbabwe. Okay. So, at this point, how did we get to pick out which problems we're going to tackle in this season of the podcast? Okay, so one of the things that we learned um, in Scripts and Bars, we had to do a course called Microsoft eLearning which is a free course that I think every creative should take. It's online, it's self-paced. One of the things that we learned was basically um, user-centric design. This is just basically finding out from the user or from the beneficiary to say, what do you need, right? So instead of us going to impose on people, you know, like how um, NGOs would arrive to a village and say, oh, let's give these people a borehole. But we don't even understand the dynamics of that community. Maybe what they need more than a borehole is a tractor. But because you didn't consult them, you don't know that. And you're not solving any problem for them. You are solving it based off of your own perceptions, your own budget, and your own personal boxes to tick. So we didn't want to do that with this podcast. We wanted the people to have a say, the actual artists to have a say. So we posted first in the group that we have for the scripts and bars participants. And we asked them and we said, hey, guys, um, this is the idea that we have. Uh, we want to do a masterclass type podcast. Um, who are the experts that you want to speak to and on what topic? And then they started throwing some ideas around. We took note of that. We also went on WhatsApp statuses and we used our own platforms, Facebook group and Twitter to ask artists that are not in scripts and bars um, the same question. And from there, we got a short list. 
we reached out to the people to say, hey, are you keen to have a conversation about this? Some said yes, some said no, some simply ghosted, but um, ultimately I'm very happy with the crowd that we got or the respondents that we got for the first season of Kura Casts. But there is something though slightly alarming that we realized from the the short list of guests that we ended up having. Yeah, absolutely. And um, talk to us more about that. Okay, so number one, when you look at some of the responses that we got, it's like um, most of them are men, right? And you can verify this because I'll never say anything that people can't verify. The Twitter threads are there, right? So you'll notice that a lot of the times... I think the only person that was um, a woman that someone said, oh, I want to hear from a woman was Miss Red. But all the other topics or all the other mentors or all the other heavyweights that people wanted to hear from were men. And would you say this is a reflection of how our industry is currently structured or it's that... It's a situation of the people who are experienced are an old god, and because the old god is the past, the past was structured that way. I mean, absolutely, I'd like to believe that. Also, what we need to understand, I think, maybe because I'm a woman, my, woman myself, and one of the other projects that I do is about like closing the gender digital divide. So the gender digital divide basically stipulates that, um, even in Zimbabwe, there's more men online than women, right? So if there's more men online, that means women are not really tapped into social media and the ICTs and all the opportunities that come along with, right? So I don't know, like in the way that I always like to tell people is that even if you're doing the hard work, as long as social media doesn't know about it, we're never going to know. Social media amplifies. So it's really like, not like the survival of the fittest, but like um, the flourishing of the most popular or the most seen online. So if women are skeptical to get online to talk about the work that, that they do, we're never going to know about it. We're never going to know who does what, right? So you'll notice with the comments that we got when someone is asking for there to be a certain man to come and talk on a topic, when you go through that man's social media, it's consistent. They are posting consistently. And I remember asking women this one time on my other initiative, Girl Grand Zimbabwe, and were like, why are women not online? And women had all these, like women are skeptical, right? You know, these days, there's this celebration of what people are calling violence. I, yeah, vi- violence. I don't know. Like, you know, they, it's violence, but it's not spelled correctly. And women are very skeptical and, I don't know, like, there's a fear of waking up one day and you're on a certain Instagram page and you're being dra- dragged from here to, like, through the seven hells and... People just say whatever they want to say. So you'll notice that a lot of the times women now like really pull back and don't put themselves out there as much. Mm. So moving on, we'll probably want to take note of this into the following season. Yeah. Because it's not like we don't have women who have experience. mm -hmm. It's even like when you talk about artists, right? You'll know people will be like, "Oh, why is it always the same artists that are getting hired?" Because those are the artists we can see. Those are the artists that we know. I am sure there's like so much talent that needs to be unearthed in the what's it underground? What is it called? Like when people are not famous yet in the underground streets. I'm sure there's like all this, all these artists that don't have access to social media that are truly talented that the game really needs but because the problems that we have but right now people need to understand that we don't want to keep hiring the same faces but also for us to go and find underground artists it requires money and resources and traveling across like the whole of Zimbabwe to go and find this talent right so 
what's what's that adage do you have it in Shona where they say a goat eats where it's tied to that's what we say so basically what we say is that if tembi is operating from harare she's going to hire artists that are close to her that she knows here in harare mm. then having to travel to gweru to go and discover artists and that's a risk because you don't even know if you're going to come back with artists if your trip is going to be fruitful and who is paying for this trip is 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 it is it making sense yeah so if we don't know all these artists, and I think the only way that we need to fix this grassroots issue is to have more and more people in neighborhoods that are making it their life's goal to try and find, okay, no, in my neighborhood, there's Ningi and Ningi and Zvani and Zvani. They are good artists. So that when we're scouting for talent and we were, find, we're trying to find new faces and new blood, we know exactly who to ask. Mm-hmm. All right. And I like how you spoke about that because you pretty much nicely segued me into my <laughs> into my next Glad section. to be of service. Because what I now want us to get into is we we put together those common lists and questions that people said that they wanted to hear about. Yeah. And a fair amount of them we also realized are things that were that are not only bothering our artists now in yeah. this generation, yeah. but even in the time that you decided to start Kura Arts, which t- turned it into Kura Agency. Mm-hmm. So I want us to touch on some of these topics that we ended up tackling mm-hmm. in this podcast for mm-hmm. this season mm-hmm. and just have a brief discussion on each one of those topics to see where it came from. Yo, I don't remember all the topics, but I just want to say this quickly before I forget. What we don't realize is that there isn't a place in Zimbabwe where artists can go and learn this stuff. True. Only now, I think Music Crossroads has um, launched a music business course Mm -hmm. where artists can now go and sign up for that course. Mm -hmm. But the fees are also quite high. Right right for artists to go and partake in that course so this problem is going to continue to grow right because we don't have a place where um upcoming artists kids that are aspiring to get into the entertainment industry where they can go and learn this stuff which is why we now have this podcast because the beauty of the internet is that it never forgets but if it's a good thing that's amazing because now we've documented all this um knowledge and expertise and they can have access to it even long after the respondents or us are gone Mm -hmm. this is going to be there this resource is going to be there and And the issue that like because one of the things that we got was, oh no, why would you do a podcast? They don't have access to the internet. It won't, it won't always be like that. Yeah. It's going to get better because the internet is growing. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. Right? There's people that were not on Facebook when we started in 2013, but now they are. So as long as the resource is there, people have access to it. You can go and fetch it. Like what they say about... Like, if you build a fountain, you can always go fetch water from it. Mm -hmm. So what we've done here is build a fountain. Right. Right? So back to your question about some of the topics. Um, Media relations. That's one of the podcasts that we've done. And we got to interview Plot Marco from Earground. Um, I'm a writer as well for my sister's magazine, Ingudugazi Magazine. And I've had the privilege of interviewing Wulayo artist. And one of the things that I picked up personally from personal experiences, because I can't speak for anyone else, is that there's artists that don't take media relations um, seriously, right? Artists own media relations as well. <laughs> their own, let's be specific. Yeah, their own. So I was like... I can't send you questions which I've sat down and thought about and researched and said every question that is in there I've asked you for a reason. And then you'll see some of the artists on Twitter saying, oh, we're tired of you asking us this question. And we're like, listen, 
our readership, you can't assume that everybody already knows this information about you. Every single time as an artist, when you get questions as tired as you are of responding to them, there is somebody out there that's a Gudugazi reader that is seeing you for the first time. Yeah, people need to understand that. No, but artists want you to write a whole thesis, my friend, on... They'll be like, no, but this is Googleable. Don't be asking me when I started music. I mean, that question is much deeper because what we are asking here is give the person who's reading, and this is brand new to them, give them context of this was not an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Those questions are deeper than you realize. Those questions put together are telling quite the story. Right. Because people don't realize that each publication serves its own different target market. Exactly. In Kutukazi, with the females, if it was hype, not hype just the, the females, uh-huh. because I was also looking at the Kutukazi, um advertising press kit, and they have an international audience in America and in Russia. Right. Which was shocking to me because I thought maybe their readers, since they've got this high focus on Bulawayo artists, I thought that their biggest audience would be coming from Bulawayo. So imagine you thinking that someone in Russia that's now reading this Ngudugazi article already knows about you Mm -hmm. and we're going into it and we're asking you all these like deep questions because ultimately this is a magazine. It's not a memoir for the times. Mm -hmm. It's not an article in the Britannica. Which is the interesting thing. Um, one of the other topics that we had mm-hmm. was a conversation about going global with Tsuarelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, do you know one of the things that we realized why the genres that become the most popular globally out mm-hmm. of our country mm-hmm. are not the ones that are already popular out of our country? They, they are so not. if... We, we, dis- we discovered this in our conversation with Tuarelo that mm-hmm. if you, it's easier for a, um, what's, what, what's the name of the, the genre? Mbube. Mbube. For Mbube artists to be well known outside of Zimbabwe more than an English rapper in Zimbabwe. I mean, and that makes sense, guys. Let's look at the case of Burner Boy. Is that not the case? That is the case, because the honest truth is that close to 70% of whatever Burner Boy sings, if it's not in English, we can't hear it. I, I can't even hear it. We can't last, hear last. it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's if If his hook is not in English, mm-hmm. we don't hear it. But, but this is what people don't he, understand, yeah. right? What people don't understand is that when we look to the arts, whether it's like movies or soapies or telenovelas or whatever um when we consume that content we're looking for new experiences yes right so if i'm in a country where we're predominantly english speaking i don't want to see um someone whose second language is english imitating what is in my first language i already have enough of that i think that's why tourism what's it ghetto tourism like um, Lokshin tourism. I don't know what it's called in South yeah. Africa. Lokshin but when they go to the Lokshin, right? That's why they want to go and experience that because in their own countries, they don't have that. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I learned at the Microsoft e-learning is that there is a like an international global turn towards African content right now. Mm-hmm. It's not by accident. Sorry, excuse me. It's not by accident that you're seeing all these African shows popping up on Netflix. Mm. It's not by accident that you're seeing these African influencers showing up in um, American award shows. Mm. It's not by accident that these uh, uh, African artists are showing up in um, albums with Beyonce or working with P. Diddy. Mm-hmm. The African or story... with Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. The African story has not been told in its fullest for a very long time. Right. So now we're all tired of the European story. Their story is exhausted. Mm -hmm. So now they're looking for a fresh story. They're looking for fresh music. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, you know, there's a continent we haven't heard heard from. Let's turn there and then, you know, exploit them. Right. And now imagine you don't know how to tell your story. Because 
you're not that good at your media and public relations. Because in our interview, in our conversation with Swarel, mm-hmm. we realized that it is very important for you as an African artist to tell your own authentic story because yeah. that's what they want to hear out there. Yes. Then we realized that in that interview with Plot Marco that it is so important for you to be able to sit down and articulate your story because when those media and public relations people come through... I just want to slide in through, here and this is how we're going to segue into Larry Quirirai's um, episode. episode, right? I saw this Facebook post on the Kura Facebook profile and someone was like, Oh, blow your artist. It's so hard for us to follow you because you don't have scandals. You don't have drama. And I went and I corrected him and I said, listen, I think what you're trying to say is they don't have personality because these people that have managed to build their empires without ever having a single scandal and still be respected for their work and for their art. Right. But if you know who you are as a person and you let your personality shine, online you never ever have to once go on one of these lives having a fight with some of our more dramatic socialites that we've got in zimbabwe right but number one know who you are tell your story be authentic and show us your true personality Mm -hmm. that is the secret to standing out from the crowd and building an audience that wants to get to know you for you yeah and in that conversation that we that we had with Larry Quiray, um, he told us a story about when he tried to get influencers from Laowai. And do you know what was the most staggering thing he noticed from a fair amount of the profiles that he faced? Is it the political content? It was the. It was that. Like I knew it. I knew it. So your local corporates try to find people with profiles that are as clean as possible. Yeah. Right. And what they mean by clean, I've come to understand is they would take you with a nude scandal than for you to be strongly politically affiliated to something. Right. That's why you end up seeing a fair amount of the same faces popping up. And that's why people are like, oh no, why are socialites and our celebrities not taking a stand politically and the truth is it's because their money is they know where their bread is buttered basically right Right. it's a horrible issue but we can't also pretend like it's not happening right and on the other side of that segueing into our conversation with phil chad Mm -hmm. he mentions that in the business of music or in the business of the arts Mm -hmm. when you interact with corporates right Mm -hmm. Don't try to rely on that corporate money too heavily because it comes and it goes. It's That's project, the truth. It's and do you know based. what else I want to tell you? I could be wrong. Let me not mention the show because people will drag me on Twitter. But there's a show I used to love, right? And when they first started out, it was self-funded, bootstrap um, budget. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, they got money. And now when you have money, you have to fad zamtengi. It's true. So now you don't have the creative freedom that made the show great. Right. Now you have to pass by through the mtengi. And then imagine the mtengi is like as big as, let's say, Econet. I'm not saying it's Econet, but I'm saying it's as big as Econet. So Econet is large. Mm-hmm. So imagine they're in like funeral cover they've got a bank they've got the internet they've got um they've got all these products that they've got so imagine your mtengi is as far reaching as econet and every time you run content they're like no you can't say that that's against our industry that's against our bank that's against our and that starts to like stifle your creativity as a creative so as much as we do want money we need to also understand that when the money comes it might take away the creativity and the room to be ourselves and our natural voices. Right. Because now the money will start telling you, oh, you can't use swear words no more. You know, you, you, do you get it? Mm-hmm. And I used that accent because the boondocks was the same thing. Right. The boondocks was fun. It was creative. Then we got into the woke generation and all of a sudden Riley couldn't say gas gag. And then like that was like 
you that was like a huge part of the show mm-hmm. that was almost like his catchphrase mm-hmm. but now it wasn't working and then now you stifle the creativity they came back for the new season it didn't do as great as the seasons that they had done before right so the moment you accept money as a creative you also need to know that you're selling a part of your creative license then comes the question of so where can the artists make money right let me start number one you need to own your things right that is important right. as an artist this is straight from Fusankaya's bible oh yeah so <laughs> in our conversation with 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 Fusa mm-hmm. if 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 you didn't know um Fusankaya has his own publishing house pub, yeah. um, publishing agency yeah right mm-hmm. Mkaya music Busam- no, oh yeah, Mkaya, Mkaya Music Mkaya Productions. Music, then Vusa Mkaya Trust. Those right. are two different things. So, yeah. um, in his conversation, he mentioned that um, he had no control creatively mm-hmm. and um, of his final tapes when he made his music after doing a deal with studios. Mm-hmm. So he could find his music on movies, on um, soundtracks on all of that, and the only conversation that you would have had with the agency that you would have dealt with, mm-hmm. or with the yeah, with the studio that you would have dealt with, mm-hmm. is that they pay you what they pay you, the twenty percent, ten percent, etc. And then the rest is out of your hands. And then the rest is out of your hands. Which like, so he said that I started kind of music productions so that I can yeah. control my art, mm-hmm. put it where I want to, mm-hmm. and if I feel as if I can go and bid to have my music on the soundtrack of a movie, mm-hmm. I can say yes or no. And I can own all I, of that I can music. Totally, I, I can totally get that. And I'm going to tell you why. I studied journalism and media studies, right? And my mother always thought that I was going to go into the newsroom. And I said, I can't go to the newsroom. I'm too egotistical to go to a newsroom. I hate to be edited. I absolutely hate to be edited. And you know what I did? I created my own platform. Right. My own blog. And started to build up my own readership. 16,000 readers. Because I wanted to say what I wanted to say in the way that I wanted to say it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want anyone telling me, oh no, that's grammatically wrong. Uh Uh-uh. I pay for the domain myself. I'm going to write what I want to write. If I want to write broken English, so be it. Right. But I didn't want to be edited. And up to today, I'll tell you now that I never accept money to put content onto my website because someone has to now edit and approve and say, oh, no, it's not sounding correct. And then the moment I start changing it to sound like you, it no longer sounds like me. Right. And my audience comes there to hear my voice, not your voice. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go to where the audience wants to hear your voice? What are right. you doing over here? Mm. Is it making sense? Yeah, it's making sense. So as an artist, number one, you need to own your own things. And another thing that I've learned that I think artists need to figure out is being creative, Simu, basically means that it comes from the word creating. If there is a gatekeeper, you need to create new ways of dealing or going around the gatekeeper. Right. If there's rules and regulations and all this red tape, you need to be creative, not just in the work that you produce and also in the way that the process is for you to create that work. Mm -hmm. The internet right now is annihilating or making redundant the gatekeeper's power by like 80%. Right. Why not create your own platforms? Right. Right? There's shows that we can create or shows that we're enjoying on YouTube right now that didn't have space on the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And once you've created that content, you can take it wherever you want to. Right. DSTV is looking for content. I think they are hungry for content from across Africa because now as Zimbabweans, we can also put ads on DSTV as Zimbabweans. So they need content from Zimbabweans so that they can take on more Zimbabwean corp- corporates wanting to advertise on DSTV. Right. Do you know that the ads that we see um, from DSTV are not the same in every country? Yeah. It was interesting because even... Sometimes I actually learned this quite recently. Mm-hmm. Some of the ads that you see in football, 
like even the squeeze bags in the middle of halftime and even the ads that you see running around um, the stadium. Yeah. Those are different for all regions. Exactly. So there is an audience right now for Zimbabwean content. Right. Not just with all these TV stations blooming, but what people don't understand that in art, you need to create your work and it's not going to be paid for. And that gets the eyes on you. Once you have the eyes on you, start making the money, but don't spend all the money. Right. And this is just not an artist's problem. It's an African problem where we all need to learn financial literacy mm-hmm. as Africans because you're going to be in your peak. So what you'll notice is, and someone requested this episode, they wanted Casper Nyovest for it, to say, um, as an artist, how did you build businesses outside? But we've got Japraiser. Japraiser, right. at the peak of his music career, realized he's not going to do this forever. It will, it will always be great, and he needs to invest in other things. And I think he now has a logistics company, Trucks, I believe, yeah. right? But you need to make money, and even as painful as it hurts to like save all that money, you need to always have a plan B. I hear you, but I got a flex. Okay. I got a flex, okay. and these people need to see me. It's okay, and I hope when you are broke and you're dead, and we start seeing those posts, please, eco cash, so that we can bury the person with dignity, those people are going to come also. You know, that's... Again. That's, that's that's now the int- that's the interesting conversation we've had with raised on by mm-hmm. because I love how we're seamlessly flowing into all the <laughs> we're, 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 wow. we're segueing through we're wow. segueing through so he mentioned that um, one of the things that promoters and people who do live gigs because mm-hmm. you know as artists whether you're if you're a performing artist. Mm-hmm. Live gigs make you money, right? I think that's a huge chunk of revenue of stream revenue for streams. Zimbabwean artists. It's right. not streaming. I mean, uh, do you know how many plays you need to have before for you, you to start get a dollar see? off exactly. of streaming? Right. So with with live performances being your bread and butter, mm-hmm. right? If you're an upcoming artist, one of the things that make promoters easier to get hold of you is or to be interested in have you or to promote you for a particular event that they want to do is how easily marketable you are. Yeah. And in that sense, it's, is there some, some sort of, um, evidence that if we get you on the roster, 10, 20, 30 people of your very own fans will come through. Do you know what I want to go back to? You remember the conversation we were having about we don't know these underground artists at grassroots level? Yes. The late Calvin, I think what he managed to do is to rally his neighborhood mm-hmm. behind him and to believe in him, right? I don't know where I saw this, but one of the most profound things I've heard Casper Nyove say is that if you can get kids in the ghetto to sing your song word for word from beginning to end, you would have made it. And what I understand, like we have a marketing background, so we know the power of word of mouth, mm-hmm. right? So imagine if I go, let's th- okay, no, let's look at what's that one? Yeah, Fantan. Chill spot. Chill spot. Let's look at chill spot. Chill spot is packed and it's a lot of people in the same space, right? right. It's not being elitist, it's just basic facts because you know woke people will start dragging you and saying oh she said you know but no guys that's what it means high density what does high density mean right so imagine in the high density your music is blaring from your neighbor's house mm-hmm. right and as someone who didn't come from harare i'll tell you that i learned about japraza in these intercity buses from um Bulawayo to Harare mm-hmm. because in the buses they would play his music all his music right did you know <laughs> did you know oh it's that, piracy by the way and it's a yes. crime Zimura endorses this message right that's actually <laughs> what I was about to say do you know that Jarpraiser does not get a single cent but then look at it like this 
and this is this is where the debate gets crazy yeah. right because i was thinking about it if no one knows about your music right and not everyone is listening to the radio mm-hmm. how do you get the exposure for people to want to see you perform live right now not all of us are watching zbc by the way we're not unified because the Zimbabwean audience currently is fragmented, uh-huh. right? And then if you're in Bulawayo, I don't think Sky's Metro and Kulumani FM are national broadcasters. I think they like what's they're it regional. like regional, yeah. right? So how do you get booked across Zim if your music is not playing on a Zimbabwean radio station? And not all of us are tuned in all the time. People are now buying on Spotify, on Apple Music, on the Amon Deezer, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't have those buses, mm-hmm. do that for you. Mm-hmm. Because previously, Polak Marco and Earground had this article on how much the combis contributed to the overwhelming um, growth of Zim Dancehall. Right. So as an artist, do you want to be paid royalties for a song that not everyone is ever going to hear? Or do you want to get exposed and your song becomes most requested on the mainstream radio? Because radio also wants the most requested song. They give the people what they want. This is how they retain their listeners, Right. right? So now... They're saying to book you for live gigs. We want people that will show up and want to sing your song word for word. How are you going to do that without the piracy of the buses? Mm -hmm. There's a gap there. There's a disconnect there. And I would love to say, hey, guys, I found the answer. But I really haven't. But do you get my point where the problem is? Yes. You see where the danger is. (laughs) So I think um, if I was to apply the experience and the knowledge that I got out of the episodes that we did. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a nice little bow to wrap up this conversation. Yeah. Is one, own your tapes, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Not just tapes. Not just tapes. Um, I like to refer to Kanye West's documentary right? And now he's been able to sell that documentary of his own behind-the-scenes footage. Yeah, We talk about Beyonce's Beachella. Now J-Lo's got her own mm. of halftime. So, my dad was a famous guy in Zimbabwe, right? He owned the back pages across, across the country of mainstream newspapers. And now we're planning the funeral and we needed some pictures and clips and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a funeral doesn't take three months to plan. True. So now we needed that footage of him that they have, right? And they were like, no, um, red tape, you need to fi- file an application, then it gets approved, and then that footage gets released to you, and you don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. So as an artist, when you go and perform, make sure there's somebody there with a iPhone at best or a good um, phone with a good camera to take that behind the scenes footage to go live on your page, own your videos, own your pictures, own your clips, own your content, own your content. So if I would think, Mm -hmm. right, if you own your content, yeah, if you own your masters, yeah, right. Register. I'm saying on your on your content because um, you have control over it and what you do with it. So mm-hmm. if you put it in a Honda Fit Dog, you you don't mind, right? Because you know what the plan is. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be fighting with the studio um, about how this music is being distributed in piracy and all of that. Mm-hmm. So own your masters because you can control where you're going to put it. Secondly, oh, so get- register with Zimura. Right. Yeah. Register and with Zimura. It's free now. It's free now. Register with Zimura. Register with Zimura. Register yourself as a business so that you can be you able have so much to... to talk about. You sure we can't go another forty-five? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I would love to, but the honest truth is that it's we okay. have. I'll see you in season two. We have all of this information in detail in our actual case, so we'll yeah. have them get into it. But if I was to sum up everything, mm-hmm. right? So own your masters. Register with Zimura. Register yourself. Talk to the media, mm-hmm. right? Talk mm-hmm. to them nicely so that they get yeah. you out here, mm-hmm. right? 
be a nice person online, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Contribute, say what you need to say, mm-hmm. and pace yourself when you distribute your music online, yeah. right? And collaborate with other artists. Absolutely. Now, when you put all of this together, right, mm-hmm. you don't feel too bad about putting your own music in the buses and the Honda Fits so that people know you, mm-hmm. so that when you go to live gigs, the promoters don't have a problem with bringing you on because you already have your backing of people who come to the event. Hey guys, then when your song is played, a song and no one is singing, singing, and they use that opportunity to go to the bathroom or to go buy snacks. Bruh. Bruh. Wow. So if you have your own music mm-hmm. distributed the way you want to, have people know you, then you have the people know you and the promoters invite you up to shows and now the radio stations play your music and then you can go collect more of your bag from Simura. Apparently, small survey that was done and this is like insider information that other people didn't just realize. Apparently, there's a lot of artists Mm -hmm. that have not collected their royalties from Simura who are sitting on properties in money that they haven't collected. So I'm going to take that with a pinch of salt. Me personally, <laughs> being the skeptical person that I am, so, I'm going to take that with a pinch of salt. But what I will say about registering with Simura, guys, it's important for you to register and be affiliated with something and not use it mm-hmm. than for you to need it and not have it. True. Because you need to always be readily available or adequately prepared for opportunities. Mm. You never know when it's going to um, blow up for you right. or when it's going to work for you. Right. I remember when we were doing the Blauyo streaming party roughly this time last year and we had no money to do that. It was self-funded um, and people were like, no, you know, um, people don't have data, people don't care for it. But what I realized is Guys, if you have an idea on your heart or in your mind, do it. When you do that, you don't know what other doors it's going to open. And here's something you actually didn't know, Sim, is that we got selected for scripts and bars based off of the Blauyo streaming, the Blauyo music streaming party. Right. They were like, oh no, we saw the work that you did with that. And we were like, oh yeah? I mean, yeah. But that one door led to another. And no one is ever going to invest in something that is an idea in your head. Right. right? So you need to always make sure that you have proof of concept, basically, that I've done something, I can do this, um... I am more than capable of doing this. I've done it before. I'm probably going to do it again. So I think when when you're starting out as an artist, if you have four good songs and you do the exposure thing and you say, you know what, these songs, let them be pirated as long as people know the lyrics and people get to know me. And then the next, as I go on with my future projects, I've built that audience, that exposure. Because... Exposure is a dirty word. I hope we cover this in season two, but exposure is a dirty word, but there is certain exposure that is required. Right. Because ultimately, exposure, I mean, if they said to me right now, Mary J. Blige didn't get paid for that, what performance was that? The Super Bowl? The Super Bowl. You're telling me right now, as a Zimbabwean artist, you get called to the Super Bowl. Unoramba, that exposure. You refuse that exposure. Actually, the whole Super Bowl is self-funded. Yeah. If you didn't know. Like, I didn't know that. Like, Dre, I think he spent like close to $6 million, I think $6 million mm-hmm. of his own money mm-hmm. to put together that performance of himself, Guys, Mary J. Blige. Rambad, that exposure. Yeah. To put together Understand. himself, himself, Mary J. Blige, Fifty Cent, Eminem, um, Kendrick Lamar, yeah, all in that performance. Yeah, and I was watching an 
a documentary about the business of music when it comes to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And the reason why artists end up taking that is because of one, that exposure and streaming. streaming. So when you pick the right artist to go and do the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. apparently there is a certain level of nostalgia that then gets picked up and people go back Even and stream. when someone dies, you know, when someone dies, then you're like, oh, I miss that person. Let me go play their music again. Right now, if you go and see the spike of um, in the club, 50 cents in the club after mm-hmm. the Super Bowl performance, mm-hmm. there was a spike in his streams mm-hmm. the day after. Do right we have after someone the... talking about the impact of TikTok on the music industry? Not yet, but we're getting season there. Season two. Season two. Don't worry, we, we, we have that in the we have that in the plans in the future. And I think this is a nice place to wrap up. I think so too, because you and I could discuss this. That until is true. The also, cows came just home just again. for clarity, we do not <laughs> we do not condone piracy. No, we but don't. I if don't you condone. own your tapes. Is it a necessary evil? Maybe let's call it that. Listen, let's 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 say it this way. Yeah. If you own your tapes, you can do what you like with your music for yeah. your end goal. But Absolutely. We don't condone piracy. We don't condone piracy. We don't encourage you to. Me, I told them that I listen on a official streaming platform. Yes. I don't know about you. Yes. No, I I pay for my streaming. I'm on the. You but, pay for my streaming. <laughs> but I'm just saying. All I'm saying is. If you own your music, you can do whatever you want with it. Guys, um, it's been amazing. Listen, yes, it has. Because Kurakast, I was here. Kurakast Season 1 is dope. It's amazing. We have some amazing conversations that we have on Yo, there. you are tooting your own horn, Shem. Yay. It's not my own. I had some great guests. I had some great (laughs) guests. I had some really amazing guests. And look out for it. Listen to all of them, especially if you're in the arts, because the tips, the tricks, and the advice that is dropped by our guests is bar none. Yes. Um, Yo, thank you for having me. I love hearing the sound of my own voice. And hey, you'll hear from me in season two. All right. Thank you so much. This was Kura Casts, funded through the Scripts and Bars project by K Media Africa, supported by the British Council in partnership with the Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, SDC.